Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome to the Paula Price Show. We are back in Tulsa with the one and only Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary, the Prophet's Handbook, you know, I could spend I could spend a minute, literally, going through uh, what books you have authored and what you've written and all those good things. (laughs) All those good things. Yeah. Is is that like etc. You know, there are certain things that are like etc. So that's our etc. All those good things. I will remember that. Well, we are fresh back from Joliet, Illinois, and Antioch Christian Assembly, where we had an explosive time. I mean, a truly explosive time training prophets. I tell you, I love the train prophets, but I had a blast training those there in that Chicago area. It was wonderful. We had class, prayer, we had group assignments, cohorts, role play, and Jesus. And we had a blast. And uh, so I'm excited. I want to thank Antioch Christian Assembly, which is one of my churches under my apostleship, and I absolutely love them. I love them. I can't wait to get back, Antioch. So write it on your calendar. Bring her back soon. See, write it down. Come on, Antioch. Be good to me now. They are always good to me. This is just one of those wonderful churches that we are growing. And I like that the the pace that it's growing because it's not exploding. You know, a fat baby doesn't make a healthy pace. And a lot of people are big, swelling, and obese and unhealthy. And so I like the way it's growing. And every time I go, it's just growing and growing and growing. They're doing a great job there. And I also thank God for my daughter and Apostle Nona Parker, who is just really good good at what she's doing. And I'm looking at them thinking, wow, this is, in three years, this church is going to be something to behold. And it will be <clears throat> something marvelous to behold. So we are grateful to go there. And then next, Prophet Ashley, we are going to be in Portland. Yes, Portland, Oregon for Prophetic Ed. Again. Coast to coast. Coast to coast. We are, Prophetic Ed is on a journey, and we're doing a total global tour. I have a couple of invitations from Kenya, and I forget one other place there. But we're putting together a global tour to launch Prophetic Ed in every area, neighborhood, recess, resource, it doesn't matter, on the planet. And so if you're interested in Prophetic Ed coming your way, 
just go to my website at drpaulaaprice.com and just say, uh, just email us at admin and then hit the email button and say, I want prophetic ed in my area. We have, I think, eight lined up, so eight or not. Well, whatever we have, we got some lined up, but there's room for you. And we are establishing it. We're doing unique things. In a little bit, I will have a, uh, an overview of some of the things that we're doing. But let me say this. I am taking Prophet on the road to give hope to the prophets. Because I'll tell you, there is no more hope-deferred group that I've seen in the body of Christ than the prophets. And so you're going to love it. If you are interested, if you have a prophetic company, if you want a prophetic company, if you don't want a company, but you just want a good prophetic guard or prophetic intercessory squad, listen, bring prophetic ed to your organization, church, ministry, Bible study, network, association, affiliation, marketplace, workplace, job, corporation. You see how many places we can put this? So make sure you go to my website, drpaulaaprice.com, and go email me at admin and say, Dr. Price, I heard you this morning. I heard you on Blog Talk Radio, and I want prophetic ed in my world. And I have prophets. Now listen, pastors, the good thing about prophetic ed being on tour, hallelujah, is that you no longer have to go it alone. Now, I realize pastors take a bad rap when it comes to prophets because prophets don't necessarily understand the role of God's kingdom. Most of them are prophesiers, and so they don't understand organizational structure and things like that. But if you're a pastor and you have a, a, a group of prophets that you want trained, bring, bring prophetic ed in for a weekend. Let us train them. If you want them assessed, go to my website, drpaulaaprice.com, and say, I need to get you assessed. You keep telling me you're a prophet. I need to have proof. Our assessment results will give you proof as to who is or is not a prophet in your church. You may be releasing someone with the gift of prophecy and thinking that they are a prophet, but you're frustrated with their on again, off again, on again, off again. Yay, nay. Ooh, that was that hit it. Oh, you haven't hit it in six months. And so I would suggest, I encourage you pastors to go to my website or send your people who are giving you prophecy and claiming to be prophets and all of that, send them to my website, drpaulaaprice.com, and say, take an assessment. Now, when they take that assessment, you have access to their results, and you can actually say, okay, so now I know why you are doing this or doing that. And also, pastors, you will love this. The end of the assessment gives you a career development track. They actually have a training track that tells you their strengths, their weaknesses, what they're like. You'll love it. Pastors, you'll love it. But again, prophetic ed is on the move, and you don't have to go it alone. You don't have to guess it, and you don't have to be uh, criticized for the, the realization and the instincts that you do have, because somehow or another, people think pastors have no instinct for prophets. I have found that to be the case infrequently. Many pastors know how to protect their sheep. They may not have all of our jargon and all of our stuff, but they know how to protect their sheep, and they know how to keep their sheep covered and guarded. So they may not understand what their reservations are, 
but they still nonetheless know how to protect them. So pastors, may I encourage you, if you are one of those pastors that say, yes, I would like a prophetic guard in my church, I'd like to have a strong prophet in my church, I just don't know how to do it. Again, go to my website, drpaulaaprice.com, and say, I want prophetic ed to develop a prophet for my church. It is generic training, has nothing to do with your theology per se, if you're biblical. Now, if you're not biblical, we're probably not going to make you happy, so let's not even go there. But if you are biblical and you are Christian or you are at least understanding of how the Bible works and how Christianity is to bless the church, then call uh, 877-419-1299 if you want faster service. Otherwise, go to my website. But pastors, you don't have to take the prophesier's word for it that they are a prophet. That's a statement I think every pastor needs to hear right now. And I want you to share that statement with every pastor that you know. You do not have to take the prophesier's word for it that they are a prophet. You can now today and going forward assess these people and have not only your instincts, your good tried and true, no doubt by now, good tried and true instincts, but you also can have a hard document that verifies what you say corroborates what you think or what you're feeling about the prophesiers in your house or roaming through your church. You know, many of you all want to bring in prophets and whatever, but you probably should test out some of them. I think in today's world, it's probably a very good um, thing to test them out. So, again, pastors, listen, pastors, you have a church. I want to know. Now, hear me, pastors, hear me. I want to say, I have to say this. Listen to this statement. It's important. It is not your success or failure that makes a prophesier or prophet who they are. You also need to become aware that we are the only institution that wants to affirm error, mediocrity, and amateurism. We are the only one. Everybody else wants the best. We want to give everybody a chance because we are a health organization. So the church is so attuned to that, they don't think that God wants the best. So we keep giving him mediocrity. We keep giving him, you know, um, uh, immature prophets, novice prophesiers, ministers, pastors. It doesn't matter. But what if you wanted the best? Here's why I'm saying this today. Lord have mercy. Most of these churches, most of your churches out there, most of the pastors out there, you have a dream from God. You got into the ministry because you have a dream from God. And your dream is to take nations or take your community or change lives or pull people up out of the pit of despair and out of the miry clay. You have all of those dreams. But consider this. What if your target was plumbing or contracting? What if your target was invention or something of that kind? What if it wasn't people? What if it was to produce an, an object with the same excellence and the same quality that you envision when you see the finished product at, from the Lord? Because God gives us the finished product first. And so what if that is, how well would you 
you know, help somebody's plumbing system or water system with broken tools, with weak tools, with loose screws and wobbly this and wobbly that and shaking that and shaking the other. How well would you be able to handle it? And would it not be frustrating for you to keep picking up a tool that is that, that is um, mediocre, too small, too big, mediocre, broken, cracked, wobbly, uh, overused, worn out. How often would you do it, and how much would you be able to do your job and to produce what your customers want? You wouldn't be able to do it well at all, would you? And yet you do the same thing because they're people with a story, with tears, with pain, history, blame, whatever you want to call it, and you keep trying to make a global vision happen with household tools and kitchen utensils. You can't make a global vision happen with kitchen utensils. You need tools. You need instruments. And you need the best. Many of you spend a fortune in your music ministry. You wouldn't be caught dead with outdated technology in your music ministry, in your office, with your computers and all of that, and yet you will take folk who are untrainable or training resistant. Remember those two terms, untrainable and training resistant. And you will take these people and you will give them the most precious thing in your life, and that is a portion of your vision to carry out. And then wonder why God isn't blessing. God does not do great things with poor tools. How to hit something. Ha! Y'all would do that. Ha <laughs> ha! He has, God works with the best tools. You may yell at who's at the, at the top. You may think it's unfair because they're not as holy as you are. They don't pray as much as you do. They don't quote as much scripture, but you know what they are? Instruments that make the big things God wants done happen. Is this speaking to any of you out there? Are, are you following what I'm saying? If you're a pastor, I want you to say thank you for this information because then I don't know that it's affecting you as a pastor. If you are a ministry leader of any kind, say thank you because that's our problem. We want to make great things happen, superlative things happen for God with tools that cannot function. Hammer too small, nail too thin, screwdrivers bent, machinery doesn't work, battery cord frayed. You want to do all of, use all of that because it's handy, it's available, and because it's cheap. But what if you really took your vision for your house seriously? What if you really did and you took that same amount of money and, and invested it in training people? Training your leaders, the super ones. You know, it's okay to have weekly Bible study is great, but weekly Bible study is not where you talk about leadership. Weekly Bible study is for people to learn the Bible. Weekly Bible study is not for the things that we're using it for. If you want great, you have to get great. It takes great people to pull off a great vision. And you can't have a great vision that you stand up every Sunday preaching about, yelling at them, fussing with them because they don't get it just because they're available. If your people have potential, then discover that potential. If they have specialist, uh, specialties that they do, then uh, discover it. If they have 
uh, unique talents. You should learn that. But you have to stop trying to get great out of mediocre. Somebody hear me because we, we are a joke in the world because we keep using people who didn't succeed in the world and ran to the church for a problem-free, no-examination position, and we give it to them. Remember, excellence is not an accident. It's a series of well-planned steps that came from wise decisions. And I want you, I want you to get this. It's so important. Because that's why we do what we do at PPM Global. That's why we do what we do with Prophetic Ed. You want prophets that can be accurate, and you don't require them to be knowledgeable. The fact that a prophet is unknowledgeable is a guarantee that they will be inaccurate. They'll have hit or miss moments. That's a guarantee. The fact that they, they, read the, they read all of these books and nobody tested their reading comprehension guarantees that you're going to have a lot of subjective, biased, and skewed prophecies. Are they following me, prophet? Oh, absolutely. So you, can, you have to stop blaming God for your vision not happening and for constantly being shipwrecked because you staged it that way. If you don't stage your organization to succeed, it will flop. Period. Because organizations are fictitious, but their energy, the people, are the, are the organs, and they're real bodies. They're real people, and you should understand that. If you have a prophet that comes to church late all the time, you can rest assured that's a prophet that will fail and fall into all kinds of di- as the Bible says, diverse things because they have all kinds of unresolved issues. Your prophet cannot be ahead of the people. They're not trying to hear God for the people. Your prophets need to be there before your people arrive. They need to be there at church in the praise, not sitting off to the side too cool to praise. Because you know they get that way. Your prophets are supposed to be your guard. The guard should come before the crowd. Some of you are praying for these things, and you're asking God, What's going on? So I'm telling you what the problem is. Your prophet should be there. If your prophet is more trendy or is as trendy as your church, you have a culturally modified prophet. You are never going to get a host of divine words. You're never going to get a, a, a cluster of divine words from God. Not going to happen because they're dressing for another God, so they're going to promote that. That's their brand. And you should know your prophet's brand. And you're hopefully, in a, in a perfect world, your prophet's brand will be yours in a perfect world. So you need that. You don't think about that. You have, you, we keep choosing prophets like people choose testifiers and witnesses. You know, witnesses, oh, you know, I want, I want to bear witness, but that, that just takes, that's the internal expressed outwardly, words, book, whatever. You want devotionals. You want testifiers. You want prayers. You don't want prophets. And that's why when you when all of the training is common today is about the gift of prophecy. What people received in their prayer closet, what they wrote in their journals, what they have in their devotionals, and you can tell it because they'll say, you know, when I when I was praying, God told me that uh, I need to hold on. Prophecy is not about me. When it's I, it's got to be about something else. 
So your people can't speak for God, and you don't know it because you haven't heard what they should be saying as prophets that is different from what they say as prophesiers. <laughs> when I use the word prophesier, I'm talking about gift of prophecy, spirit of prophecy, word of prophecy. I'm not talking about the discharge of the office. So you know when I say that. And those are the things that we prophetic ed do for you. You've had to do it alone. There was a day that you had to add on paper. Now you can push buttons on a calculator. As a matter of fact, you got the calculator in your phone. And so why do you want to continue struggling, doing it the difficult way when you have this help? Seasoned people, seasoned trained prophets. Um, Bible-trained prophets, hear me. If a prophet doesn't know the Bible, they are not going to speak to you from God. Balaam spoke from the, the sentient world, what you call your senses. He gave tons of sentient, cultural, and mandated prophecies. He was mandated by Moab to say something that would curse Israel. And it wasn't until Balaam actually had an encounter with the Almighty God that he realized he had never prophesied. He'd only divined. Thus says Balaam, whose eyes are open. So what were you doing before? What were you seeing before? In the blind? So you got blind prophecy. Thus says Balaam, (laughs) who has seen the vision of the Almighty whose eyes the Almighty has opened. Balaam never in all of his career, wealthy as all get out, I mean money to burn. Every leader in his his, uh, phone book, contact, every leader. And yet he had never spoken by the Almighty to his knowledge. He knew when God came upon him and used him as his prophet, he saw the difference. Is anybody getting me this? Many of you are arguing because you're saying, well, he said he's a prophet. Balaam was a genuine prophet whose eyes were not open, who had never seen the visions of the Almighty, who had never gotten a word-for-word message from the Almighty. He served any spiritual voice. His auditory of faculties picked up any invisible being word. That's why he had to do seven this and, you know, kill the seven that and do the sevens and all of that. He had to do the sevens to cover the seven dimensions of the spiritual realm because spirit realm has seven dimensions. And he had to do that so that he could have rendered an offering to all of those spirits. And then he had to go to bed. And when he went to bed, then God put the word in his mouth. Now God backed out all those other spirits, would not let them say a word because God wanted Balaam to prophesy his word, his will on his new nation. And he also wanted to, as I said earlier, pass the torch to Moses. Balaam is a real prophetic institution, and most prophets start out right there. They just never leave. That's like being trained to be a criminal and deciding to be a cop. Balaam never left. 
and a lot of these prophets that you're disturbed with and frustrated with and their, their disciples and following, a lot of them, a great number of them, are in Balaam criminal training. Balaam taught how to do it wrong. God will always, come on, somebody needs to know the Lord Jesus Christ today. God will always allow you to be introduced to the wrong first. First he introduces himself. And you get this wonderful thing like new babies, and then he sends you out into the world to see what you do with what he gave you and what you do with your initial interactions. And so God did that with everybody that you see. You understand that Adam started with God, ended up with the serpent, who gave him the knowledge of good and evil. And we can go on down the line. Cain started up, started with God and ended up fulfilling Satan's will on Abel. And all the way, we can go all the way down with, with even Abraham. The man set up this altar for God. He did all of this good stuff. But unlike most people, when he went to sleep, he, he found out his offerings were being taken by God's adversary by predators, and he woke up and stayed awake all night long just to make sure that when God came for his offering, it was untainted. We can move right on down the line with Moses. Moses raised a little baby. He born, put in a little thing to be saved, put in a little basket, but he was raised in Pharaoh's house and then learned Almighty God. We can move from Moses. We can go all the way down to, to David. We can even think about David. So David was God's second choice because his first choice was that people know evil to be able to discern both good and evil and to know why good is good and evil is evil. And this process carries on throughout Scripture. It's the process. So what happens is a lot of those prophets, God saved, Holy Ghost, talk with God is great. Oh, hallelujah, love Jesus, I'm with you forever, amen. And then, and then they get to meet the world. And in the world, they are supposed to gather data and gather intelligence on God's issues. And instead, they become God's antagonist. Balaam said, hey, so this is what it's like to get a real prophecy. This must be amazing. But you know, Balaam didn't keep that. He went back to try to earn that diviner's fee. And when he went back, what he found out was that Moab was very serious, and so were a whole lot of people, and he actually used his intelligence that he gained from prophesying from the Almighty against God's people. And we can go on, but I think you get the point. So as we go forward, and turning about talking about prophetic ed, this is what we're doing. We're making sure you have this kind of knowledge for discernment. You cannot have discernment without detection ability. And if you can't detect, you won't discern. Because you have to have faculties that enable you to detect for you to have discernment. We like to call it a gift. Gifts are not all packages and presents wrapped in free bows, are also meant to be resources tools, instruments. Think about all the gifts you've ever gotten in life. A gift is not just one thing. 
And so we have to explore that, and the prophetic ad explores that at length. So I would love for you all to think about how you want the prophetic to work, but I mostly want pastors to realize you don't have to go it alone, and you don't have to stab in the dark. You can get help, and you don't have to be the whipping post that everybody beats because you won't let them do what they want to do in your church because something inside you is restraining you from using this or that person. It's frustrating. We are the third party, and we're the, listen, we're the neutral party. So we don't make a decision or a judgment call for your house. We give you the data pure and simple. You get an opportunity to sit at your desk or at your friend's warm, familiar place at home, and you get an opportunity to simply go through the file. And as you do, it's been my experience that the Holy Spirit talks to you and fills in the gaps by plugging in what you've known about that assessing that you have not been able to articulate. We give you articulation. God gives you application. It's a great product, a really great product. How about right now I'm going to ask you to give a couple of comments and then I have a last exhortation for today. Sure. But you can give some feedback and maybe share what our viewers are saying. Absolutely. Um, one of the answers to the questions posted was, yes, you do get a printout of your results. Mm-hmm. And you will have it emailed to you at the time of your post-assessment advisement. One of our profit advisors will use your results with you. It's not an automatic thing where you hit submit and then in five minutes you get it back. It's much more complex and involved than that. And we like to walk you through and answer your questions, talk about the training programs that we offer. Um, and so we had, thank you for giving us the right tool. <laughs> and when someone said, awesome word. That's right. Teach, you teach them really good today. Be holy ghost. And, and uh, you know, a universal thank you for not just telling the saints to get it together. Please, you know, help us. That's kind of like weak parenting. Yes, it is. They're just throwing around those terms and, and telling people to do better without giving them the resources to actually improve mm-hmm. is very frustrating. And oftentimes what we see a lot of tell-off messages, tell-off sermons, but not really equipping people to improve, to be excellent, to we don't recognize they're being mediocre. And then doing something about it, something productive mm-hmm. and constructive, not a waste of their time. <laughs> or, or money. Or money. Not going to be five, ten years with someone only to discover they really didn't teach you anything mm-hmm. that you needed to succeed as a Christian or in their career. That's powerful. Uh, have you had an opportunity, because you've done this how many years now? Almost 10. Almost 10 years. Um, have you had an opportunity to uh, to talk with pastors, put their people through it, and have you? can you recall any of that feedback? Well, we have long-standing, I'll say uh, unofficial, official account. <laughs> Ministries that always still consistently send all of their new leaders to mm-hmm. the assessment process. Some of these ministries we're very close to as far as they come to our events and that's what they think. Others don't. They're just all around the country. They're mm-hmm. doing their own thing and they send them through. And so once or twice a year sometimes we'll get a wave of people mm-hmm. from the same ministry and we'll know, oh, leadership training must be starting, ministry <laughs> training must be starting. That's the testimony of the accuracy mm-hmm. of the results. 
from these leaders and knowing where to place their people present and future. Yes. How to use them, us going through the results with them also as that finite um, instruction and definition as far as maybe where they're stuck, where they will advance, where they will excel, mm-hmm. where they should never touch. I mean, the PAT for sure is like, uh, right here, this is not your gift. Mm-hmm. It's not your strategy here. It's over here. This is. And uh, to me, that's the greatest testimony mm-hmm. of the impact and the accuracy of the assessment, the standardized assessment series, is the ongoing mm-hmm. uh, pipeline of people from various ministries with various emphases mm-hmm. coming through the assessment. Yeah. Um, we've had ministries actually shift mm-hmm. yep. their emphasis and focus based on the results. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best ones, I would say, are the when the leaders themselves take it first, submit yeah. themselves to the process, mm-hmm. and take it first, and then send their people. That's when we have really seen the most impact yes. and long-standing results That's true. of the assessment because their leader was able to shift mm-hmm. the self and then steer their people in the right direction. And that, in fact, is leadership. You know, leadership should not be your people exploring and bringing you whatever only. That's a part of it, and certainly I don't want to, you know, disprove it, but listen to this. You, when you take it, you know what's going to happen to them and what they feel. You also have, have had an opportunity to get the jump on them to make those corrections or improvements or enhancements that are recommended so that you can, as she just said, lead your people. You know, that, you know we're going to do leadership is going to be different in the future, so especially Christian leadership. Many things are going to shift the church from its traditional, you know, we fly away and we are the little church in the woods and we are simple people and we just, we just love the Lord. See, those are all cop-outs for excellence. And they're also cop-outs for, for nonconformance and nonconversion. Because when you believe it, when you go to work, you do not go to work and say, I'm just a simple guy that rocks on my porch. They say, well, I didn't, I didn't hire you for that. I'm not paying you for that. You will go to work to change. You go to work to comply. You go to work to conform, and you go to work to convert. That is why you go to work. You don't go to work living your home life in your workplace because you'll only do it for a short period of time. Before then, and they'll tell you you are you don't fit. They'll tell you, well, you know, you don't really mix with us. You know, we're you're very different. Uh, you know, when you don't appear satisfied here, you don't appear happy here. You know, you don't seem to understand us. You don't seem to appreciate our brand or why we exist or what we're doing. You hear those things just before they walk you out to the lobby. So you go to church knowing you've got to change. You go, I mean, to work. You come to church to stay the same. You are irritated if someone doesn't take you as you are because you think ministry is the altar. And ministry is not the altar. The altar is come as you are. The ministry is change and become what I am. Oh, I got to hit something. That was a good one, too, wasn't it? Good? See, that's the evangelical model. The evangelical model is don't change. Stay the same. And not all of it, but it's certainly a good part of that charismatic piece. 
don't change, stay the same, reign without changing. You can't do it. It's an impossibility. And all of you out there who are listening to me this morning, you have to admit, what you, when you put all of those blocks together, because they give it to you in sermon blocks, and so when you put all of those blocks together, you realize it doesn't make sense and it can't be done. If you reign without changing, you reign over chaos. You must change. When people tell you, you, you know, you get the, uh, promoted or you get into your new position, uh, every leader's first mistake, if they want to make their first one, is don't worry, uh, people, I'm not going to change. I'm still the same person you always knew. I'm this and that. That person has already said they're going to defy the system. See, these are leadership classes and these are leadership concepts that we don't deal with in the church. When I hear leaders say that, I, the first thing they get is a private counsel. And then I begin to say, if change is a problem for you, this is not the place or this is not the seat. I require change because true, true leadership means changing from a follower to a leader. That's true. If your leaders are still, uh, don't worry about it, stay the same, don't worry about it, it's no big deal. Well, do it as you can. Do your best. Uh-uh, I don't do that because excellence is not an accident. Excellence is a pursuit. It's a product. It's a process and a progress. So people who have a difficult time changing, don't ever put them in leadership. Not if you're going into another direction. Now, if you're going to stay the same, then you want to get that guard that does the same thing the same way over and over and over again because that's a maintainer. So when you're choosing leaders, you must decide if you're looking for, a, if your organization is in a place where it needs maintainers, oh, hallelujah, or does it need change agents? Because if it needs changers, then you have to make a decision of the type of person you want that's going to get you where you want to be. And so now you want people to be a prophet in your church, and you, don't, you want them to act like a sheep. Prophets are eagles. Hmm, I know. I say prophets are eagles. So they now take on, in, in Ezekiel's uh, cherubim, they are, their face goes from the human and the ox to the eagle. So that's the face they're going to take on. And so you have got to get to a place where you understand change is not only um, uh, necessary, it's essential. It's the essence of what you are trying to accomplish through a, a person, whatever that person is. Now, we talked about prophetic ed and being able to uh, go and, and um, come around to your church. But one of the things that I want to talk about in that vein is prophetic communications. You know, if you don't stand in office, you can say what you want, and you can rattle off, you can be as smart or as uneducated and unintelligent as you are, because remember, you're staying yourself. You're just sharing your heart. And when you are don't stand in an office, you can share your heart. That's nice. And it could stay right at your heart and your opinions and your feelings and your emotions and your experiences because it's all about you. 
when you are in an office, you represent the king and his kingdom. But in between the two, you represent the king, his kingship, and his kingdom. That, that in itself is replete with information. It's replete with implications. And so when you stand up in your office and you issue a public address, you are saying the king has told me. The king has assigned me or at the very least authorized me to make these statements and claims in his name. Now, in his name is a powerful statement because in order for you to do that, you have got to represent and reflect his person, his mind, his will, his thoughts, his history, his destiny, his character, and most of all, his constitution. And when you say that, you are now telling everybody you heard from the king of kings. And the king has assigned you, appointed you to do such and such for him. And he wants you to do it so that what you say inseminates the whole body with what you spoke, the words you spoke. Now, think about that just a little bit, mull that over. Because the, you will know that you spoke the words of the office because the other officers will back you. But you'll also know when you didn't speak the words of the office because the other officers will attack you. So you have to recognize every time you say, thus says the Lord, God has a whole contingency of people who are going to back his institution and verify his words. And when the other officers begin to attack you, you need to recognize you spoke out of your office and you spoke your heart and you shared your thoughts and you expressed your feelings, you oozed your hurts and you fanned the flames of your resentment and your, your contempt for something the king believed. See, we act as if, can I say this properly? You can say it. We act as if God only has print, but print came from a person, and that person has beliefs, and that person has feelings, and that person has a history, and that person has visions and goals and dreams and on and on and on. And because we keep everything on the altar of redemption, the salvation altar, we don't allow anything else Jesus needs to do as the sovereign of creation to be accredited by us. So we discredit him. When you are an officer, see, this is part of what we do with prophetic heads. And, and our assessment is so finite, it'll tell you if a person is office-bound and office-ready or office-headed. Is that true? That's absolutely true. So we don't, you can. And an estimation of how long it will take. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we don't, you may be, for example, if you take our assessment, you may be a high gift, but it blocks you from the office. That's what people are stunned about. Well, I know I stand in the office, but you don't recognize it. Because all of the questions pertaining to it, you didn't recognize. Well, I don't care. I know what God said to me. What God says in your prayer closet must be affirmed in a public 
forum, a public event. Those apostles were forever going out and standing in the marketplace, standing in the highway, standing in public, saying what God told them in secret. And the public hearers or listeners were saying, yeah, surely they've been with Jesus. Yeah, and they, they affirmed you. This whole private calling, private secret this, with, and all of, that, all of this kind of me and me, myself, and God against the world, that's not Jesus. I'm telling you, that is not Jesus the Messiah. That's not Mary's baby. That's not God's seed. That is not the Messiah. That is not David eternal. That is not Jesus. Because when your call is genuine, you want everybody to know you came by the door. When it's a real call, you're looking to be proven a real prophet. You want somebody who can back you and someone who can vouch for you and your prophecies. When it's real and when it's false, you don't want anybody to touch you. And you don't want them to touch you because you don't want them to discover that what you say you have on the inside isn't there and how you say God and you interact is not true. Jesus said, what do you say, John? Three, he said, they won't come to the light because their deeds are evil. And they don't want anybody to know. And so when you think about why people won't do it, the people who tell us, oh, no, I'm not ever going to do that. Well, baby, you're never going to be recognized publicly, or if you are recognized publicly, you are not going to be highly promoted. You think because you have an opportunity to preach at somebody's six-member church, you know, a 100-member church makes you big and whatever. That is not what makes you big. What makes you big are the people who say they have been blessed and they can affirm that surely the Lord is in you, the hand of God is upon you, and the word of God is in your mouth. When you are genuine, you look for corroboration. You look for authentication. You look for verification. When you're genuine and you don't go to people who came up like you, y'all sat around the table together, have prayer, you know, I see the Lord telling me he's going to use you as a prophet to the nation, and the first thing you do is go get cards instead of training. Come on. You go get an office instead of training. Now, if somebody says, you know, the Lord says you're going to be a doctor, first thing you do is look for a college and a pre-med course. But who can we say the reason you have to do that is because the system locks you out. Come on. Everybody, everybody. Nobody can refuse. Nobody can do anything like that. So they can just walk on in. No, and there are a lot of other good ones out there. It's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, son, daughter, that's great, but I need you too. You know, we can't assume that that everybody. Got, I'm telling you, there are a lot of bishops out there that say, uh, no, no. Thank you, sis. That's well, nice. Bless you. Enough. Look for you. A lot of bishops, a lot of pastors and apostles are out there, and a good deal of prophets are out there that say, but you don't make sense. Uh, my pastor growing up. <laughs> like what? Any waves that move through the body parts, everybody wanting them to jump off? No, nope, we're not doing that. Nope. When you know your vision, mm-hmm. a wave can't move you. <laughs> Absolutely. See, people move in waves and trends because their vision wasn't real in the first place. Because when you know your size, you're not looking for another size. If you're a size 12, you're not out there looking for a size 16 because you'll say it doesn't fit me. 
When you know what your eyeglass prescription is, you're not looking for another one. You're only looking when, when what you're doing and who you are is not defined. It's not crystallized. So you're always in polling and searching mode. You're polling every move. You're searching and exploring everything because you don't have anything to say, this is me. You don't know what to stand on. You don't have a platform, what your foundation is, what you started with, and how you felt. Your pillars are what you, what you leaned on and how you felt, so I'll do that. You can change your pillars all the time. You change your leadership every time it gets on your nerves because it's all emotional. Because you, keep, you, you will keep irritating people because they get the job done, because they help your vision. Oh, there's so much maturity needed in the body of Christ, so very much. And so I want to wrap up. God will, in terms of the, the divine communications, we have a course uh, that every prophet must take in my school called divine communications. You must take it because you have to know how the, God's world thinks and how God, God's world speaks and why God will say something and you'll scramble it up and mess it up and he'll just start right back at what he said. You have to know that God doesn't change his mind and on, on his visions and his calling. He may change a maneuver. When it came down to Hezekiah and, and Isaiah, God altered the maneuver, and he actually altered the maneuver in our eyes. In, in, in God's realm, he actually kick-started what he was really doing. He knew Hezekiah was penitent. He knew that. He knew that he was penitent because he had an experience with the man. And so he wanted to give the man an opportunity to save his own life and to see if he would do better with God's grace. He didn't necessarily do that, but he had an opportunity. And God knew exactly 15 years, that was it, that at the end of 15 years, everything Hezekiah had to give him would be expended. So God doesn't change his word. He, he, he modifies maneuvers, or he gives us maneuverable modifications or maneuvers that can be modified by him because he knows the whole picture. The timelines are in his hands. So he doesn't change. A divine communicant who will tell you that, oh, yeah, what well, God told me, this is good. Are you kidding? That's the lying prophet that killed the young prophet. Is that true? Yeah. That's the lying prophet who killed the young prophet with Jeroboam. Because in 2 Kings, I believe it's 2 Kings 13, but he said he, came, he got the prophet got the word from the Lord and then was so caught up in the fame, his ego disengaged itself from God's message. And he became open. He created a channel for anybody to come in and pat him on the back and praise how he blew the king out the water, et cetera, et cetera. And so when you read that account, he ends up literally being investigated or celebrated by the prophets that were already in existence but weren't trustable for the message. They take him back to their leader. They take him back to, his, to their leader. Somebody hear me. See, when you give those big shebang, bang moments, you need to go home and pray. You need to go by yourself because you have opened up to everything and everything is trying to attach on your radar. And so he goes back 
and, the, and he did everything. So he gave the first half of the message. He gave the king the rebuke, but he did not make, act on the protections and the preservatives that God put in place to spare his life from the backlash, spiritual and natural. And so he goes home to this prophet, the old prophet is all they call him. You can tell when God doesn't use a name, God's done. The old prophet. You ever have some people you say, I can't call it, I can't call it, I can't. God, what's their name? He won't mention it. And so they go, but he goes home, has dinner with the old prophet. He does everything God told him not to do because he's fellowshipping and he's excited that this big prophet wants him to have dinner. You know, the Last Supper is not always with the 12 apostles. So he goes home, he has dinner, and he said, and the old prophet said, but you can have dinner here because an angel came. Now, you are on mouth-to-mouth conversations with the Almighty, and you're now listening to a man who's only listening to angels. So the angel said, told, told me it's going to be all right, all to the word. And he waits until he eats. And after he eats, he says, thus saith God. That might be the last true word that prophet, that prophet that lied to him or that lying prophet gave him, but it was enough for God to get it in the book. I mean what I say the first time. I am the Lord. I change not. You want to have, know what happened to your young ones? You want, he, we call them the young prophets. We would call them our millennials today. They stopped after they gave the big word. They stopped after they blew that one message out of the water. They stopped and sat under the tree to reflect on what happened instead of running out of that, that area, that region, the way God said. They sat there long enough to be caught up by the established prophetic team or, 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 or what would I call them today, Ashley, the established prophetic um, officers, and they he chatted with them, and they chatted with him, and everything, every time he did it, God told him not to eat food, food not, not bread, don't drink water in that land, because that land is cursed, and that land is full of the seeds of Jeroboam, who rebelled against him under the dominion of Jeroboam, but he didn't listen, and so then he still was sitting there. They went back to their leader, their chief prophet, and told them all about it, and he said, go get him, and he was right where he shouldn't have been. He was still sitting there basking in the glory and had the nerve to be flattered that the old prophet wanted him to have dinner who, and came up with a contrary word. Those young people got caught because they were sitting where they shouldn't have sat. They were eating what they shouldn't have eaten. And they were basking in the glory of what God was judging. See, they didn't know the land was judged. They don't know a lot of these prophets, these old prophets, these chief prophets, they're judged that God's done with them. Well, why is he keeping them? I mean, if he's done with them, don't worry about it. Time is short. But let me tell you something about God. Just like he repurposed Satan, he repurposes a, a, a finished prophet. When God is done, he repurposes them, and he turns them over to Satan's staff. That's why they can't get a true word from God. That's why they start talking about shamans and occult and astrology and, and, and magic and witchcraft and psychism. That's why they start doing it. They do it because that's Satan's, that's his portfolio. His divine spiritual portfolio is that in the darkness, adversary. Because God, if God doesn't, if he doesn't give him something else to do, what is he going to do with him? He has to make him sick. 
He has to paralyze him. He's got to give him something. So don't get caught up in the fact that, uh, you know, the big wants you. Jesus said, remember, don't get excited because the devils are subject to you. Rejoice better that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Your names are written in heaven. Why? Because that one incident does not constitute your qualifications for eternal life. Is that good? Did you like that? Not me. (laughs) Forgive me. (laughs) I didn't expect that. She got me, guys. Okay, let's give your prophetic commentary. And I know you got some more comments. Yes, I think you have a jersey, an old school jersey, watch and said, hello, Pastor Christ. Oh, oh, hi. I'm going to be going back to your pastor day. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> um, I'm just going to hit on actually some of these last things you said here. When you know your vision, a wave can't move you. Man, that is so important. For sure, for prophets, since that's what we're talking about today, um, because so many waves and winds, and, you know, it's not just doctrine. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's opinion. Yeah. Emotions, feelings, conversations. Uh, we had to learn over the years with you. People may feel what they want to feel. And sometimes it's a positive thing. Like mm-hmm. We think Dr. Price's marketing strategy should be this, you know, or whatever to push you out mm-hmm. there. So it's not even something that's always going to shut you down. No, or harm you in the natural. Yes, because I think those are the easier ones to recognize. Mm-hmm. The ones that, yeah, yeah. And if you're not really locked into what that vision is, it can just push you here and push you there and push you over here. And the next thing you know, you look up and you are nowhere near where you are supposed to be. You're out at sea. Just like in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Where you see, there you go. And then you said, uh, somebody said, that is so good on so many levels. (laughs) (laughs) On so many levels. On so many levels. And then you also said, God doesn't change his mind, although he might change a maneuver. Again, but if you really don't know or have the full counsel of God, if you have not read not just the scripture out of context or in this one little nook or cranny that you're speaking from, but the other ways and other times that he does something that you really are not sure. Mm-hmm. And McCann looks like he's changing his mind all the time. If you actually don't know what his whole thought is. Come on. Speak it. What happens? We cut off all we have, all we have new. We have this, we have that. We have so on, we have so forth. And so if you actually have not pulled the line of connection from Genesis to Revelation, you don't even know it's there. Exactly. Because a lot of these arguments are based on genuine ignorance. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're arguing about mm-hmm. because you don't even know this is addressed in the epistles. This is addressed also here. Jesus did say mm-hmm. this because he's fulfilling what was already done, okay. not eradicating what mm-hmm. was already done. And when you have that wisdom and insight, which is why we all want the old ministry, okay, <laughs> can we find it out of time? No, but you have. <laughs> <laughs> And then God does make sense. I mean, I love when you had Let's Just Talk because the, the theme was where God makes sense. I miss Let's Just Talk. I know. But, you know, we work in we have those opportunities mm-hmm. to, to bring it back on a whole other level. Yeah. Because it's needed. But this this is needed. All of this is needed. Dr. Paula Price.tv mm-hmm. is needed. 
where people can go and watch 24-7. They get this wisdom. They get this wisdom, things you said mm-hmm. online now, things you said years ago, whatever. The wisdom doesn't rock. Mm. You know, it doesn't go bad. No. Genuine godly wisdom. Eternal things yeah. can never be outdated. It can never be outdated. You can't. I appreciate that. But can't you, but don't you think about it? How can something be an eternal before time and then outdated when it enters time? Well, it has no expiration date because eternity has no time. No, because we, I think a lot of people think that eternal kind of just means ambiguous, like nondescript. Anything we can't see, we automatically default to not real. Exactly. Exactly. You're right. Oh, but Tommy, he's old. It's in his ancient. Yeah. Uh huh. Right? He got white hair. That's right. White hair. He real drunk. He's not that long beard. Uh huh. But you're right about that. You know, we were talking, Ashley. I think this is a good time before um, we let. I'm going to do it to her again. She's ready. She's ready. Okay. Because you know, well, I'm, I'm about. Okay. <laughs> I'm about to get her again. But do you remember we were talking just before the show started, and we were talking about how God says, if you're going to be trusted with my word, you need to be trustable. And God says, I give my governmental hierarchical, I know we don't like that word because, you know, whatever, and constitutional word to those who can uphold it who can keep it. So your language changes. You know when God is going, is is graduating you because your language changes, because you focus, come on, somebody, you focus on God's constitution. You are about his character and integrity. You are about what what his word is already upholding, and you're not trying to dismantle what his word is upholding. Come on, somebody, hear the word that I speak to you today. And so God, uh, Jesus, upholds everything with his word. There are times he told me, you can't say that because there's a lot attached to that. You can't speak that because I got a lot hanging on that. You cannot say this. That prophet you talked about last night who did that, Peace. Um, what was his name? I think he said Tony. Uh, Tony I was so pleased to hear that, that such an educated and talented and very biblical, scriptural, biblical and scripturally loyal yes. rebuttal was given by a prophet. And I applaud that young man. I've never met him, I don't think, but I applaud him. But he understood the constitutionality of what he said and the constitutionality of what he had to cover. The prophets understand the constitutionality of what Jesus Christ is upholding. They get it. They don't walk around saying stuff, well, I think. You will hardly hear a prophet put, I think, and the Lord's constitution in the same sentence. And if you do, they're going to distinguish. Now, these are my thoughts because the Lord has not enlightened me on this. But Using the wisdom that he gave me, I will say. And so when you when you shared that with me last last yeah. night, I was I was blessed to hear it. I love hearing the prophets that step out on that constitutionality of the word of God. It is not constitutional for you to do that. It is not that is not God's word because he said to me, hear me. All of you prophets who are listening to me right now, this is the best word I can give you. Your word has got to hold up what Jesus is already holding up by his word. That's what the issue is. We keep thinking the Bible is something separate from the word that Jesus Christ must. Oh, come on. Can anybody hear me today? Are they going with me? Can I slap something? I got a slap. Got to give it a slap. Sometimes you just got to slap. And I'm telling you, that's what he told me. When he said that to me, he said, 
I am now assigning my forces, my agents, my powers, and my servants to your word. You cannot confuse their task. You cannot discredit their duty assignment. And he began to tell me, I'm saying this to somebody, because for all the prophets that are getting ready to go down, there's a ton getting ready to rise. And I just want you to understand, I know the story of both sides. And he began to tell me that. And I said, huh? Hallelujah. Now, when you look at these things, I'm just doing 11.1. He said, "Mm, mm, mm. I love this. Where it says in Hebrews 11.1, he said, in times past, God spoke impartial and various ways to our ancestors through the prophets. In these last days, he spoke to us through a son whom he made heir of all things and through whom he created the universe. And then he goes on to say, of, by whom he who upholds all things. Can anybody say all things? Because I'm telling you, we're missing it. Now, I'm going to say this because it's important, you know, because it's so important that we get it. And so. It is. I mean, these are the missing links that uh, so many prophets have. Mm-hmm. It, it, because, like even that passage, how many of us heard pastors and preachers say, well, in the past he spoke through the prophets, but now in these last days he spoke to us through a son, through the son. And think about it. But the son came as a prophet. Now see. So where's the, where's the disparity? There is none. And so if you're going to be part of what God is going to use in the future, and I'm telling you hundreds of thousands of you are meant to be around the world, you have first got to get into the constitutionality of God's word. You've got to get it because you can't get his character, you can't get his his communications, nor can you get his consciousness outside of it. That's why I appreciate it when you said that. I haven't seen a lot of I'm sure many more did, because I'm sure that the true constitutioners in the kingdom them. We're not letting that ride. We're not letting that crazy just ride because you are supposed to uphold all things by his word because that's what he's doing. And there are many things. There are people's hearts tied to your prophetic word and you are disengaging or diverting the reason they were attached to your communication stream. There are so many powerful things here. I'm going to let Prophet Dick, because I'm going to do it to her again. So I'm going to get, get her again. And so I'm going to give a prophet. I know she lives for it now. If she doesn't, she ought to. But anyway, coming on through on the end of this, I am going to give her opportunity to uh, give her commentary. I love my, my fruit to speak. I love it because you need to know whether it works and whether it's worthwhile for you. So I always give them an opportunity to speak. Before I do, make sure you remember to subscribe to Dr. Paula Price TV because all of these things are in that subscription. You don't have to wonder where it is. Just go, get a Saturday, get your favorite food, get all your comfort foods, your little munchies and carrying on, lock out, lock the door, huh? Binge, Binge watch and do a binge because this is one binge that won't make you sick and it won't make you fat. Prophet Adir. <laughs> yes, feel free to binge on this. Really powerful show today. Uh, you said so many things, so I'll pick out one thing 
uh, maybe two. I'll pick up two, th- two quick things. Um, so powerful. You said uh, what God says in the prayer closet must be publicly affirmed. I think that you just really sealed the deal on our mindset and mentality about that. You know, there's so many sore feelings. There's so much offense in the body of Christ over this one issue of people feeling as though, you know, their personal call doesn't need to be questioned by anybody and you can't tell me and just all of this nonsense that I think we get wrapped up in and, and ultimately we're, we're missing the point. So I, I love how you kind of brought that home today. You also said this, excellence is not an accident, it is a pursuit. Um, Wow, I I just see that that's really powerful as well. I think that we don't associate excellence uh, with our ministerial responsibilities, with our ministerial executions enough. I think we all understand corporate excellence, and we have yet to really understand priestly excellence, ministerial excellence. And I do think that that is what sets you apart from really almost Almost every other minister I've I've encountered, um, not that they don't have good things to say, but it's just that your mentality about the the, the service to our service to the king, um, where it should be coming from and how it should be conducted, how it should be executed, um, is really it's second to none. I haven't heard anybody else teach it quite this way. So again, I think everybody got such a powerful excerpt, excerpt training today. Um, on these issues so much more we could explore, but I'll just leave it there with those two things. Thank you so much, Prophet Adir. And let, let, me, and let me encourage you to do this for your good. If you have a prophetic company, class group, hey, sit down and explore these thoughts. I drop nuggets. Let's see what happens when you crack them open and what God does with them because that's important. And lastly, I would say today um, – You know, Prophet Ashley, when I made that statement about the public um, recognition, because you want your ministry to touch the public, and you want the present guardians to know that it's safe to let you do it. So you can't keep snubbing them and and dismissing them because they don't uh, they don't get you they don't understand or you you're the young guard and we're the old guard. Are you kidding? Every everything you do in life, you're doing with an old guard. You going to school, you, your teacher's an old guard. Hallelujah. You live in a house, you paying taxes, old guard. The government's old. It's old. And so you, that, whole, that whole kind of childish thing is not going to wash. You, can, you have to stop talking about us being old guard because that TV program or that network you want to get on, that's backed by old guard. Let's talk about that. That hotel that you're getting into, your favorite high-end hotel, old guard, because old Built, the, built, built it when it was new, and now they guard it against the damages of the new. So you, all of you millennials, you know I love y'all. You know Dr. Price gonna fight with you, fight for y'all all day long, but she's gonna fight with you if she has to. Y'all need to stop saying that that's old guard. That's not only is it disrespectful, but you open yourself up to the judgment of God to have to show you how youthful you sound. The Bible says, "Flee youthful lust." Okay, so stop saying that just to protect yourself and to protect your ministry from God having to prove what's him and what isn't. I need you to stop saying that. Oh, nothing. I know it feels great. We're young. We got the, everything at our fingertips, but you guys are dropping like flies. You, your jobs are dropping like flies. Your kids, you're going from one relationship to the other. There's nothing stabilizing about you. There is nothing there. You need the old God to stabilize you. New leaves grow on old trees. 
and new grass grows in old ground. Stop that. Don't let them talk you all into being beheaded for your nonsense. Amen. Anyway, uh, Periscope, loving on you. Loving on Did you all miss me? I bet you missed me, didn't you? See, you used to get me three times a week. Now you have to subscribe to drpaulaprice.tv to get me on demand. Can you imagine having me on demand? Now, you know, Dr. Yes. Price is not going to, you know that, hallelujah. But you got me on demand. Binge this weekend. You don't have to be behind as a prophet. And it's to my young millennial sons and daughters, hear me. I am one that's not going to curse you because I love your energy. I love your ingenuity. I love your innovations and creativity. What I don't love is that rebellion, which God causes as a sin of witchcraft. Don't fall into that trap. You're just too good. God bless you. We'll be back again Sunday for Scripturally Organic, Culturally Unmodified Christianity. Have a great afternoon. Prophet Adia, you're on. All right. Well, we thank you so much for listening in and tuning in to the Paula Price Show. Don't go anywhere. We're just getting started. We're about to get to your calls here in this second hour. So if you are just joining us and you would like to speak to Dr. Price, we need you to press number one so that we can go ahead and get some information and details about your call. We want to get you patched in to Dr. Price today. So again, press number one if you're listening with us and you would like to speak to Dr. Price here in this second hour. Just a few announcements for you guys. And then we're going to take a moment to transition to your calls. Want to let you know about how you can stay in touch with Dr. Price throughout the week. You can visit her there on Facebook.com. Like her page on Facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price. Again, like her page on Facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price so that you can instantly be updated when she's about to go live or when she's posting a video or comments, all of that good stuff you want to make sure that you're logged on and that you've liked her page on facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price. You can also follow Dr. Price on Twitter, twitter.com slash Dr. Paula Price, and her handle on Twitter is at Dr. Paula Price. If you would like to see the broadcast, if you're just listening in on the phone line or if you're online with us at blogtalkradio.com slash Paula slash Paula Price Show. If you're listening online or if you're just listening on the phone and you want to know how you can actually view the program every Thursday, you just need to download the Paris download the Periscope app to your mobile or to your tablet and you'll be able to see Dr. Price's broadcast. She broadcasts every first hour of the Paula Price Show from about 11 a.m. Central to 12 p.m. Central every Thursday morning. So again, download the Periscope app and follow Dr. Paula Price there. That's how you can catch up with everything that is related to the Paula Price Show. We want you to join our mailing list, so visit us online at Dr. Paula Price, drpaulaaprice.com. Again, drpaulaaprice.com. Visit us online and click join our mailing list, and that way you'll get our emails and all the information when Dr. Price is going live, when she's traveling, and everything that you need to know that's coming out from Paula Price Ministries. So again, visit us online, drpaulaaprice.com and click join our mailing list for all the details. All right, you've been hearing Dr. Price talk about the assessments. You've heard her talk about Price University, which launches September 15th this fall. It's just about a month away. 
You can get all the information about our assessments online at drpaulaprice.com. Just click Take an Assessment, or you can visit us at ppmglobalresources.com, ppmglobalresources.com to take your assessment. There you'll find all the details about the minister's assessment questionnaire and about the prophetic aptitude questionnaire. Now, for Price University, visit us online at priceuniversity.org. PriceUniversity.org, and that way you'll get all the information about the upcoming fall semester and how you can start your application process to Price University, where you learn today so that you can lead tomorrow. We hope to see you online with everything that Dr. Price has going on. Her main website is drpaulaaprice.com, and you can find everything you need right there on her home site. Again, if you're listening and you'd like to speak to Dr. Price in this second hour, just press that number one right now so that we can go ahead and get to your calls. Prophet Ashley, back to you. All right, thanks, Prophet Adi, and I cannot believe our Price University launch is right around the corner. Okay, here we go. First up, <clears throat> um, for a commercial break, I'm going to kick it off today with a clip that Dr. Price did on the road about solving problems. It's only just about a minute long, and then we'll roll in up to our commercials. We'll be right back. Amen. And everything has a and everything has an economy. The economy of the kingdom is souls. Healthy souls, wealthy souls, intelligent souls, confident souls, capable souls. And so you have all of these preachers keeping your soul poor. Amen. When the word of God is that your soul is supposed to prosper. And, keep it in the, and let me tell you something. Wealth and health are actually synonyms. Heal and will are synonyms. Saying that you cannot be a healthy person in your soul. Think about it. And be really broke. You can be lazy, but you're not be broke. Because wealth comes from solving problems and good ideas. The number one thing Christians are bad at is facing problems. In the currency of prosperity is problem solving. Dr. Paula Price invented an online assessment series that took Bible ministers' core attributes and requirements and created insightful questions that tells you how God created you to serve His kingdom. The minister's assessment questionnaire determines your dominant gifts and faculties, the temperaments that best fit them, character assets, competence level and reliability, mastery, accuracy, and more. The Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire is tailor-made to identify your mantle, sphere, emphasis, classification, communication style, delivery maturity, readiness, and more. Don't wait. Take your assessment right after today's show at www.ppmglobalresources.com. If you are a leader wanting to assess your team, visit the site to schedule a demonstration or call 877-419-1299 and ask for Chief Prophet Tala Price to discuss our group options. Hello, my name is Prophet Dr. Rolf Spears and I'm the author of Coaching Leadership Families. And I'd like to give you some really good news from Dr. Paula A. Price and PPM Global Resources. They have decided to appoint me as the new family advisor with a focus on encouraging, strengthening, 
and supporting apostolic, prophetic, and fivefold families in the body of Christ. I am honored to accept this position. And if you have any questions or you want more information or you'd like to schedule a family advisement, please contact Prophet Ashley Clater at 877-419-1299 or email us at admin at ppmglobalresources.com. New Era Apostleship Restitution, or NEAR, is a kingdom collaborative founded by Dr. Paula Price that unites God's New Era ministries, visions and ventures, businesses and professionals in powerful, productive, and profitable ways that are mutually beneficial to all involved. Based on your level of membership, joining NEAR will give you access to assessment-based coaching and mentorship, personal ministry training and education, ministry credentialing and accreditation, spiritual covering and intervention, vision and ministry development, business and professional development, and more. Visit www.joinnear.com for membership and benefits information. That's www.joinnear.com. Welcome to PPM Global Resources, your one-stop ministry resource company. Whether ministry, professional, or personal, our products cover a diverse range of subjects, topics, and ministry issues that hit the center of where you are. If God has called you to it, we want to help you do it. Explore the possibilities to conquer your world. Where are you going today? Ready to launch your own ministry? Want to develop a ministry training program? Looking for credible ministry education? You want guidance or direction? Maybe you just want to discover who you are. If you are a purpose seeker, looking for fresh resources, new ministry solutions, and endless possibilities, then welcome to PPM Global Resources, a ministry and professional resources company dedicated to meeting the needs of the 21st century minister. Why choose PPM Global? Because you want something better. We help build your vision, educate you in your calling, train you to succeed, teach you valuable skills, equip you to achieve, release you to conquer your world. Our business is your interests, whether ministry, professional, or personal. Our products cover a diverse range of subjects, topics, and ministry issues that hit the center of where you are. Think of us as your personal vision support team. If God has called you to it, we want to help you do it. Your success is our passion. Check us out online or contact us at 877-649-PPMG. All right, and welcome back to the Paula Price Show, hosted by the one and only Dr. Paula A. Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary, the Prophet's Handbook, Eternity's General, and the list goes on. (laughs) (laughs) Is that our sector, right? Yes, because we could be talking about that for a minute. We could be, and I tell you what, we're going to do something very uh, different than that. We're going to talk to our listeners. I'm sure we have some. We forgot to tell them to join us over here, so let's pray that they did get the historical message. Indeed. 
Uh, that's right, and you can go ahead and press the number one if you want to be placed in the queue for Dr. Price to pray for you. If you want to give us feedback about the first portion of today's broadcast, if you were in Joliet at Prophetic Ed, we want to hear from you as well. All right, first up on the line, Dr. Price, is Marsha from Massachusetts, and she's calling in today uh, for a question about a dream that she had. Marsha, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Thank you, Dr. Ashley. Hello, Dr. Price. Hi, how are you doing today, Marsha? Is all going well? Yes, all is going well. I wanted to say, first off, that thank you for um, explaining about the old and the young prophet. I always wondered about that, you know, so you gave uh, a really good explanation of, of what actually was going on behind the scenes with all of that. Amen. So tell us briefly, what did you get from my explanation? Because I was like, well, the God was clear when he told the young prophet, you know, what to do. And I was like, I wasn't sure why God told him to leave like that. But you explain, like, so you won't get caught in that backlash. So you wouldn't get <laughs> spiritually and naturally get caught up in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and lose your- but the main, but- I'm sorry, go ahead, Dr. Price. Well, I said, and lose your life. Yes. Yes. So I thank you for uh, so, that. I, I always wondered about that. And um, that does, um, yeah, because there were some questions I had in that. You definitely cleared it up. And ego, about the ego, about, you know, relishing in, you know, the great words you gave or the thing you did that was so great and not to get caught up in that, you know. Yeah, because, you know, in the end, it's still only one, one conversation once in your life for anywhere between 15 to 30 minutes. I mean, in the end, that's really what it is. You need to be on your next assignment. So, but mm. before you ask me about the dream, Marsha, can I ask you a question? Are you, um, have you taken the assessment and are you on a program with PPM Global? Yes, I am. I taken the assessment and uh, my uh, life advisor is uh, Prophet Adia. Ah, yeah, you got good stuff going on. I just want to get people <laughs> to know well, because I like to know my clients, you know, and I don't, you know, we're growing now, so I really don't know them if I don't know, if they don't tell me or somebody doesn't show me. So let's talk about this dream you're having. It, it, it could, well, yeah, I'm concerned about it. The dream is I was in a car, uh, I was sitting in the back seat, and um, the the people in the car, they parked at a parking lot, and they were going to get out to go into the mall to go shopping for clothes. I told them that I didn't want to go in, that I was going to stay in the car and take a nap. But I really didn't want to go in because I didn't have any money. My son, so they all left off the car. My son was still sitting in the car. He's in the front seat passenger side. And when he was getting out to join them, he took the keys to the car out. And when he did that, the car began to go and began to move in the reverse. And so he didn't realize that the car was moving. I realized the car was moving and got real concerned because I didn't want the car to hit someone. Um, And so uh, I yelled out for his name. Still, he didn't hear me to understand. He didn't hear me. He just kept on walking. But the car, it would reverse, but then it just turned around and parked itself in the car next to it. So there was a car, we parked next to a car, and the car started going reverse. It just went around that car and then backed up so that it was facing towards the front. And I was concerned because 
you know, I'm not in the, I'm in the back seat. I wanted to go to sleep, and the car started going in reverse. Oh, yeah, you think? <laughs> you kind of know what this means, don't you? Yes, I do. Um, and, and, you know, the thing of it is, is like, I had this dream Sunday night. Now, Sunday, you preached a real good sermon on tithing. And I had let my tithing slip. So when you when you preach that, I said, God, I hear you. I know you're talking to me. I ain't got to ask nobody nothing. I know this is for me. So I immediately, you know, began, I immediately began doing the tithing. But then in my mind, I was like, well, I said, well, I've been doing, you know, this, you know, I've been doing this other thing. I've been doing the um, advisements. And I was saying, well, then what? I said, well, then God, what do I do then? Do I not do the advisement so I can do the tithe? And I was, I hadn't made a decision. I was just thinking about, I just had the thought. And then I had that dream that night. And so I was thinking that it was based upon that, you know, that, that, that thought pattern was a slipping back, a backsliding. I don't know. Well, obviously the first thing that hits you, Marsha, about money uh, is about any opportunity or any uh, benefit is money. Your first line of defense is no money. Mm. Must be what happens. So that's reaching back into, you know, your childhood and perhaps a lifelong history of not having money for anything. So now it is programmed in your response. That's the mm. first thing. So you start with, I don't have the money. And so you may not tell anybody because clearly, you know, we, we don't want to tell that. So you don't tell anybody, but you don't participate in life. You don't participate in business. You don't participate in anything because you're waiting for a day that the money that you feel you should have to give you the confidence and the comfort you need, you feel you need to engage in anything is going to come. And until that comes, you are life on hold. Mm. So that's the first wow. thing. You are mm-hmm. life on hold. I mean, you think about how frustrated you are with God because you have no money. Mm-hmm. Because in your mind, it wasn't paying off because you didn't realize that you hadn't, you got years of not advertising that you owe God. If, you, if, you, if God was the government, half of the people would lose all their stuff that He gave them mm. because the tithe is a war tax. And so, um, and it's a and it's a thank offering, so um, it creates a covenant of wealth. But wealth doesn't come right away. God has a procedure and a process to it. So you, the first time you started tithing was probably the first time you'd ever tithe, however when that was, and then you stopped when you didn't get a cash in a right 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 away cash return. But the tithe doesn't always promise just a cash return. It requires it promises two things: a material return, which is profit and a guardian return, which is protection. Mm, mm. So when you stop tithing, the protection part of God's uh, covenant is become uh, at his discretion. It is no longer a, um, a, a contractual or covenantal duty on his part because you're breaching the bounds of the covenant. Now, so then, you, so then of course, now, you, didn't, you obviously didn't build up enough while you were tithing, so you didn't build up enough, 
and then you turn around and you stop because it's not paying you the way you expected because you weren't tithing because you really believe who God is, and today you do. So today you'll feel differently, and I'm tithing, but you're now at the same strongman. Well, yeah, but either I do this in God or I don't. You don't say I'll either put gas in my car or not. You find money to get gas, don't you? Yes. And so you have to recognize that somehow in your, in your Christ development, you were trained, Marsha. You were literally trained to think that all effort belongs to secularity, to the world, but not God, that God is My goodness. Wow. Now, that's wow. It could be the book you read. It could be the people you sat under, you know, and, it, you know, I can go on, but you get my point. But you can mm-hmm. train not to think God is worth a push. God's not worth a push. He's not worth a press. You know, as a matter of fact, how many of us have heard sermons on TV? Oh, God wants he, God does, he already knows how hard it is for you. And he, he already knows that, that you're doing your best. But see, all of that is, it, that's a doctrines of devil. Because devils don't want Christians in their treasuries. Mm. And because devils don't want Christians in their treasury, because that means that God is, is going to be recouping what Satan has been taking. So they don't, but he, Satan knows the law of God. See, we keep forgetting he lived with God. He was created by God Almighty, our God, and he lived with him, and he lived in that realm. So he knows the codes, he knows the laws, he knows it all, and he knows how to maneuver. That's what he did. And so he comes, when, when now he gets an opportunity to work that maneuver on each individual Christian. And he knows one thing, if you don't sow into God, you get nothing out of God, or you get minimal. And what you get, he will eventually blow on. God says that. He said, I'll blow on your riches. You know, he said that. And so he knows that. He also knows that if tithing is an, is an eternal, it is not a legal thing. That if it, those of you who have not listened to Sunday, you need to, in Joliet, tithing is not just a legal responsibility. It is, in the spirit realm, fiscally sound. It guarantees that you have a reserve in heaven that God can materialize on earth. Because mm-hmm. God doesn't need a flash. So Satan knows that, but, but the earth has what it has. It's not going to get, you know, a whole bunch of new stuff. Money is what it is and, and provisions, etc. What you are tithing for is God's special I want to say special imposition of his will on the enemy. You are literally tithing for God to say, yeah, they're on earth, and yeah, you know, you are the darkness, and all of that kind of stuff, and all that material, but I'm going to plunder your goods for this one because I have to pay my debt to them. Mm. And see, people don't realize tithing literally indebts God to them. As a creditor, you know, I I, I read it. Marcia love this. I read in Isaiah one. God said, "So to who? Which one of my creditors would you accuse me?" I said, "God, how you gonna, how are you gonna have creditors? You're God. You owe nobody nothing. <laughs> but covenants create debts and credits mm. because because they're contracts. So covenants create that. So God has 
a lot of people, when people, you know, seasoned tithers will start with you. Now, you know, God, when they're facing stuff. Now, God, I have been a faithful tither. No man can tell you that I've been a faithful tither. You alone know because you're holding my tithe, the spirit of my tithing, in reserve in heaven as a future material solution. So, God, I, listen, I've done my tithe. I've paid my bills. I've done this. You know, we run down our list. We do our prayers. We take it to church. But if mm-hmm. tithing is not on that list, you don't have it. So you can ask God. He can give you a return. You know, he can bless you for your, for your cleaning the toilets and preaching. He can bless you for that. But tithing is a covenant. It's an eternal covenant, constitutional provision. It is not a debt. It's a provision. Mm. And we use that. So as we go, now going forward into your dream, I know you want to think I'm not going to cover it, but I want you to get the framework, the backstory yes. on why you had that dream. So number mm-hmm. one, you're in the back seat. You're never in the driver's seat in life. Mm. Because you're, wow. you, you're in the back seat. So you're, no, matter, no matter whether you're standing in front or not, somebody else is driving you and leading you where they want you to go. That's number one. And you're in the back seat behind the people with the money. Kind of, now you're getting it? So you're, yes. when it comes to finances, you are in the back seat behind the people who can afford to live life. Mm. And you're, you're back there because you've already resolved, I don't have the money, I can't do it. They invite you, they were, you know, because they're, you know, come on, let's all go shop. But you say, no, I, I, I don't want to. But your son, on the other hand, has watched your life and decided, even if it's non-verbally, meaning he never let you know, that that's not going to be his story. Mm. So he's resolved that he is not going to carry on your legacy of I can't afford, we don't have the money for so he's going to move with people with the money, and he's going to take every opportunity he can to do that. And so, but when he reached back and took the key, I think that's very interesting because he took the key to your being able to steer or maneuver the car. And he took the mm. key as your son, you know, as your son, he took the key out of the car so you can't do anything. Now, you weren't going to do anything. But when he took the key, because he obviously is into something he doesn't told you about, but when he took the key, the, the Lord moved the car, and he parked it next to standing car. In other words, you just, you parked. You wanted to stay in the car, so now you're parked. And so you have to do a lot of things. I want to think of you as unsaying a lot of your prayers. You heard what I said about prophets and prophetic people. You can't disengage yourself. Mm-hmm supernatural forces and then think that they're just going to jump in when you have a hot moment. That's not going to happen. So that's another point I want to bring out. The last point I would like to say to you is if you do not see the value of breaking your your soul ties and your soul holes and strongholds, if you don't see the value of that, then you'll always think that continuing your training is optional. Because you have a consciousness, again, I think we were all trained that way, to be honest with you, but you have a consciousness of God is optional. Everything else is mandatory. Mm. So we need you to take God out of the options box 
and, and literally put him in the sovereign provider box. You have to. People who succeed in God do not treat God as if he's window dressing, as if he's an accessory, or that he's optional. And many people, however, who are in tight money throws, many of them, think God is an accessory. He accessorizes their spiritual life. So God is telling you that if you allow this key of knowledge, because, you know, the Bible uses keys as knowledge. If you allow this key of knowledge to pass, you will be parked and you'll not get another opportunity. Mm. On the other hand, there is a business idea and opportunity that your self-confidence won't let you pursue. Now, you are going to have to learn the, the, the every prophet, every prophetic person, you've got to learn the art of making provisions appear when you need them. That's part of what you and God are going to discover. But starting to give you any kind of insight on that today is pretty much not going to be beneficial only because you've got to go back and undo those covenants with poverty, lack, debt that you have. You cut a lot of covenants with poverty, lack, debt, and, uh, and, and also isolation. Mm. Because you could have gone in there just to look and to dream, but you've resolved, I'm not dreaming anymore. I've had too many setbacks. You know how we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, point. <laughs> that, hey, come on. It is what it is. On this planet... Things work the way God built them to work, and the consequences are there. And so you could have gotten out and, 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 and at least um, looked around and, and uh, you know, caught a window and window shop or browse with them, had a meal, and still and participated and strengthened your, your presence and relationship with those people. And, and that's what God is saying. Get out more. All right, so how did I do you did great. <laughs> so the first thing you're going to do, Marsha, is you're going to break those covenants that you have. You have a lot of verbal covenants out there with debt, with lack, with, you know, a deprivation, all isolation. Those are the main ones that I hear right now. You're going to, you're, when we hang up, you're going to break those covenants. And then you're going to repent to God for not believing in him and not believing that he is Jehovah Jireh, your provider, mm-hmm. and he is well able. And then you're going to also repent to God for being resentful of him. Because, you know, when, when money doesn't turn out right, you know, God, I'm glad he's strong because Lord knows he takes enough hits. But you're, gonna, you're going to repent for that. And then after you do that, you're going to begin to pray and intercede. I hear God telling you that you need to go back to the fundamentals, the sincere milk of the word. Sometimes we can get so caught up in those extreme things, we forget the milk of the word. And the milk doesn't just mean, um, um, you know, uh, baby or, or infantile. It actually means nourishing and nurturing. The word has to change you. And God wants you to start just literally drinking and drinking and drinking those fundamental principles and truths of God's word. You want to do that, and then as you do so, you begin to let God open up your vision faculties again because you've been very resistant to him. 
and he'll start you you because you don't know what you can trust. Am I trusting my anger? Am I trusting my fantasy? Or is this the Lord? So let him begin to reopen those faculties so he can dispense visions. Because if he can't dispense, your visions come with provision. Mm. Okay. Yes. Yes. All right. All right, we're going to pray this out. We did a lot of work today. We carved out some stuff, broke down a few things and whatnot, and, and now you're going to be a new woman. Amen. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I will talk with Prophet Adia to see if she's using 3D with you, but you need 3D because you are one woman whose soul is so laden down with disappointment. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I have the book. I haven't gone through it yet, but I do have the book I ordered it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, well, yeah, well, you reading it and her coaching you to different things. So I'll exactly. talk to her about that, and we'll make mm-hmm. that happen, okay? God, we give okay. you praise, celebrate you. We love you, Holy Ghost. We love, 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 love you as our God. We mm-hmm. thank you, Lord, for your wisdom and your truth. We thank you for your righteousness and your your glory. And I thank you for Marsha. Lord, as you begin to dislodge all of these things that have been binding her will and binding her soul and even binding her hope, Lord, I thank you that she understands that you're giving her a visitation that is still yet resolved about who she is to you and your purpose for her life. Lord, cause these back to come back online, cause them to speak to her again in dreams and visions and and in conversation and cause her to be interested and to go beyond interest to enthusiasm. She's lost her enthusiasm for you, Lord. She's like the Ephesus church, God. She's forgotten her first love, even though she's plowing Mm. through her responsibilities. And I'm asking Mm. you to give her a an outlook on who you are and what you have prepared for her today, according to Jeremiah 29, 11, and according to what's written in her book, according, based mm-hmm. on Psalm 139, 15 through 18. Lord, let her know she's not an accident. She's not an incident. She's a well-planned daughter of yours planted in your kingdom to do great things for you. Lord, deliver her from the lockout and the block out that she's allowed to keep her out of the flow of life and away from all of the rich opportunities that you have waiting for her, waiting in people who will cross her path if she would just get back out there again. I bless you for doing it all, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Price. You're very, very welcome. God bless. I'll be hearing from you soon. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. All righty. Prophet, we got time for one more. Yes, we do, and I have one for you. We have Della calling from Cali, and uh, she's calling to get this house off of the market so they can get on with the transition program. Della, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Well, hello, Dr. Price. Oh, my goodness, I have you on the phone. Woohoo! <laughs> Don't act like that. You know who you are to me. <laughs> hey, Della, are you all packed up? We haven't started packing. This house, because the house has to stay clean and beautiful for people to come in and look. Yes. But it's too, too long, and I don't know why we're stuck. Well, let me just say a couple of things. Number one, you need to pack what you can pack. You can you can keep the, your face looking good and having boxes packed up. I don't care if they're in storage in the basement or whatever, but you can do that. You could take and put them in storage if that's what's required. But if you're going to move, you got to act like you're going to move. 
you, you know, one thing about God is God is faithful. Now, I'm going to move this house. I'm going to tell you right now that I'm going to move it by the Holy Ghost, by the Spirit of the living God. I'm going to move this house. But one thing I need, God wants you to understand, my beloved, is don't haggle. Do what you must do with these people. Get the price closest to what you're asking and, or set the price according to what you're asking. But God said you have got to want to do it. The second thing is making sure that you and your husband are actually in one mind and one heart on this move, okay? Yes. And I'm, I'm going to leave that at that because okay. one single-mindedness is important. And then the, the third thing, most importantly, is that when you stand in your house, we're done. God, thank you for selling here. We are done. We're out of here. So, God, you need to move. And Amen. I'm telling you, he will move. You can't be tentative about big things. Big projects, have they don't respond to being tentative or timid. They don't respond to timidity. They respond to bravery and boldness. And I don't, I've watched it. All of those things I've been kind of like on again, off again, kind of soft about, nothing happens. But when I wake up and say, no, this is how this is going to be, this is how this is going to go, and I, I command it to be so, watch this thing move. And so, you know, this is all, everything like this in God is an exercise and strength building. Mm-hmm. So we put, we put a lot of time and, and a lot of effort in building our faith, but faith without works is dead. But guess what else faith needs? Faith needs an engine called strength. Yes. Oh, that's good. You, okay. You've got to, you cannot be timid about anything you want in God because God has, um, well, actually God has resistance. He's got resistors. And so you cannot be timid. I'm telling you because that's one of the things that, was beaten out of the church over the last several decades. That boldness, that determination, that decree, that not just decree because that's not just it, but that resolve, oh, that's been beaten out of you all. So you need to resolve. You're still like, God, if you want this to happen, then sell it. Not, God, this has to happen. We've, we've resolved it, so let it be. Gotcha. Gotcha. Amen. 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 Okay. okay. Because saints do that with him. You know, we'll say, we'll make it his, we'll make what we, we know he wants or what we desire, we'll make it his responsibility to make it all happen. And God's like, yeah, and then when it doesn't work, you're going to be mad with me. So why don't we work this together? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, that's good. That's good because that's not where we have been. We've kind of been, you know, waiting around for this to happen, trusting that it's going to happen. Come on, this needs to happen. A um, little bit of timidity, yes. Um, single-mindedness uh, on the issue, yes and no. So there's still some area to work there. So I can see uh, where we've been stuck. Yeah. Well, and let me tell you why it's important, my beloved. You know how you know you have a home. You know you have a seat here. It's waiting for you. You know that. But the bottom mm-hmm. line is, this has got to be all you and God. Mm-hmm. Otherwise. Is, you know, it, it'll be a fair, good weather, fair weather, bad weather arrangement. And none, none of us want that. You know, mm-hmm. wow, things are going great. I know this is God. Ooh, things are going to bad. Maybe it wasn't God. Oh, mm-hmm. hey, breakthrough. Now I know I'm confirmed. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, gee, this has a, oh, no, because if this was God, this wouldn't happen. No, no, God doesn't operate like that. He doesn't dangle carrots because he knows. 
God wants you to know that no matter how he does it, it's him, and it's your job to stay with him and to understand that this is all about him more than anything else. And so I tell everybody, you know, this has got to be something that you resolve, that it is God, no matter what, no matter what come hell, high water, storm, wind, you know, like a marriage, you know, in good times and bad, and, you know, wealth and whatever. And that's something that is not there yet. Yeah. And so because you, have, you, you and your husband both have got to know, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard. You know, I don't make it easy. Mhm. No, absolutely. Amen. So my absolutely. heart, I'm gonna pray. I'm praying first of all for your courage and your conviction, and the courage of your conviction, because that's difficult. And if your conviction lies on materiality, then your faith is gonna fall on its lack. Mm-hmm. See, you can't. Okay, you can't have a conviction on your materiality. This is what God wants. I'm just going to do. A lot of these people came here. Said, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know how I'm going to do. They came here, got jobs. Everybody so far has gotten jobs. I mean, I'm, I'm like blown away. I'm oh Jesus. But then I pray them in jobs. I pray my folk in. Oh, no, we need you working. I pray them in jobs. They all have lovely homes or apartments. This has been a good move. You want God to give you the blessings of this move where you are, and that's not going to work. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're going to move this house, but you have got to, first of all, God said your first order of business is to resolve your conflict and uh, conviction. Amen. 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 I I understand. I I completely understand. All right. Because, you know, I have to say it like that because I know that we're, we're all learning and training. Now, when you get here, there is a job. When you get here, there is a job for your husband. We got the McCullers, what is that, five jobs? I don't know what Prophet Ashley can tell us. Five people, all working, whole family, working. Wow. Working. Mm-hmm. You know, we got the, the, the Collins working, everybody's working. Because this is an anointed move right now, and it's rich with miracles, it's rich with provisions, but it's rich with authority and dominion, and that's something that we need. But you have got, you know, you got to do like Abraham, make your Abrahamic call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay. We close, girl. And you have sown. The last thing I want to say to you, my beloved, is that you've sown to us for more than a few years. You have got to believe in those seeds. Amen. 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 Yes. All right. Amen. Okay. All right. God, I thank you for Della, and I thank you for her husband. And now, God, I'm asking right now that you send in the buyer. It's oh, and loot that property so that they can move quickly, cause it to be a swift deal, cause it to be a swift close, God, and then cause them to find the right home here in Tulsa, Lord, based on what you know you've done in their life. I'm summoning providence to work in their behalf to get them from there to hell here as your will, and I bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Dr. Amen. Christ, thank you. Thank you so much. I love you, girl. Take care. All righty.
All right, bye bye. Well, Prophet Ashley, what do you think? That's it. That's a good show. (laughs) (laughs) You said that's it. That's a good show. Period. That's it. That's a good show. All right. Well, then, uh, listen, everyone, join me Sunday for Scripture Organic, Culturally Unmodified Christianity. And uh, maybe we'll have you meet some of our relocators because we've got some relocs that are powerful. They've got awesome testimony. And uh, while it's not all been problem-free, it has all been conquerable because we've conquered everyone. If God is telling you to do that, fine. You might say, I shouldn't relocate, but I sure would like to get it. Hey, come, spend some time here with us. Take a couple of months, sit in the services, get some of the training, and go back and take Scripture Organic, Culturally Unmodified Christianity to your world. Any way you do it, guys, let's take it to the nations, and yes, let's use it to take the nations for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is worthy of it all. Until Sunday, bless you. I bless your family. Bless your money. Bless your life. I bless your children. I bless your work and your workplace. I bless the seeds you sow and the harvest you reap. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Have a great week. Amen and bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Paula Price Show. Become a financial supporter today by visiting www.drpaulaaprice.com and click on Sow a Seed. Donate today. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.